Let's Fix Work is proudly sponsored by Namely. Namely's all-in-one HR payroll and benefits platform helps organizations like yours build a better workplace. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. Get a free demo by visiting namely.com forward slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. Today's guest is Dr. Eric Knudsen. He's manager of people analytics at Namely. Namely is this month's sponsor of Let's Fix Work. They've given us underwriting dollars, and I'm really grateful to have them. When I began this journey as a podcaster, I wasn't sure if I was going to take sponsorship dollars, and I didn't for a long time. I worried that I would have to get into these kind of quid pro quo relationships where I would interview someone and they wouldn't be very interesting and I wouldn't be happy with the product. But that has not been the case. I've talked to great individuals at all of my sponsors, and they have good stories about fixing work. And Eric Knudsen is no exception. Eric is here today to talk about the world of people analytics and how to make data-informed decisions, whether you work in human resources or you're a leader. Now, I believe the workforce is surveilled a lot. We take in a lot of data, more than half of it we don't know what to do with. But Eric makes a pretty compelling case that people analytics can actually help the workforce create a better experience for their employees. And I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. If we're going to collect data, we might as well use it in a smart way to make work better and to fix work. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Eric Knudsen. I loved it. He's a fantastic guy. So stick around and I'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. And so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Eric. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. Hey, Lori. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you as well. I want to first thank you for sponsoring and underwriting Let's Fix Work this month. It's a real honor and privilege that you're doing that. So thank you. Of course, we're happy to do it. You know, we just love getting out in the HR community and making sure we can support it. Yeah, thanks again. Well, no one is capable of having their story told by anybody else. I really strongly believe that. So why don't you tell us who you are and how you fix work? So I am Eric Newton. I'm the manager of People Analytics at Namely, uh, which is an all-in-one HR solution. I'm sure you'll hear about it during the break on this episode. I came to Namely through sort of a, a circuitous route. And that is, I was a psych major in undergrad and went straight into grad school for psychology, specifically for industrial organizational psychology, which is sort of the marriage of workplace and psychology and data statistics. And so I was sort of uniquely positioned to begin to think about how organizations could marry data with the talent decisions that they were making. And so all through grad school, I was sort of honing my data analytics skills, took a job at JetBlue Airways, shortly after and worked in selection and assessment there, helping to support some pre-hire assessments for many of their frontline roles. And then came to Namely because I felt pretty compelled by its mission to support small and mid-sized businesses, specifically their vision to empower improved HR and talent decisions by using data and insights. And it just really resonated with me and my background. And so I've been here for the last two and a half years. When I was starting out my career in human resources, I was mostly motivated by paying my bills. So it's really nice to hear that someone made an active choice to join the world of human resources and recruitment and selection and technology 
that's a little refreshing because the reputation of human resources, for better or for worse, isn't all that great. And one of the things HR isn't known for is using data. Like the, even though we all talk about it, even though it's a trend, we don't use data to make decisions or we use the data from our eyes and our ears and our biases to make decisions, but they're not really super informed. Can you tell us in a non-sales-like way how we should be using data to make decisions and how it happens suboptimally and how it happens optimally? Yeah, great question. You sort of set me up with a nice framework there. In order to understand what the sort of optimal way for an HR team to use data is, it's important to take a step back and think about the various phases of readiness or maturity that organizations are at for using data to inform decisions. And a model that I often call on in my talks is... Person by Deloitte has an HR maturity model, which outlines these phases of maturity, beginning with sort of reactive or compliance-focused processes at level one, moving up to more proactive reporting and, and processes. Level three is more sort of strategy aligned than the previous two levels. And then level four is business integrated. So drawing connections between talent processes and data and the outcomes of the business. It's quite fascinating, actually, because I think a lot of HR teams assume that most organizations are doing more than they are with HR data. But in fact, that's not really true. This study by Burson found that 86% of organizations have not passed level 2 yet. <laughs> so, not shocking. No. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so we have a really heavy predominance of organizations that are stuck in this sort of reporting Phase. So I think the explosion of HR technology that we've seen recently is speaking to the importance of sort of nudging organizations out of level one and two into level three, where we're finally drawing links between the data that we have. And partly we have it because of the technology that has emerged over the last few years and the things that we're communicating as priorities to our organizations. I see all of that. What I also think may happen is that organizations find themselves in a position where they have a set of data and can make decisions, but the data just informs really poor decision making <laughs> or just reaffirms biases or just makes an organization do what they do, but now they have a justification for it, right? Can you think of any positive examples or do you work with any companies who are really doing anything, especially small and medium-sized businesses that don't even have money to put on a company picnic at the time? Do you know of any companies out there that are really doing some smart things with HR data? Yeah, well, certainly there are many organizations that have found ways to leverage their data to inform better decisions internally. I think this takes many forms across companies because different companies have different priorities. And something I think as a field in people analytics, we've done a poor job of communicating is that different companies should have different priorities and they should be focused on the priorities that are important to them rather than the sexy headline about a people analytics project they saw. Yeah, and there's never a sexy headline around people analytics projects. <laughs> I beg to differ. Um, I have many in my, my reading list that I have not gotten to. <laughs> I think it's easy to see a hot headline on a project and think, oh, I wish we could do that or we should do that without actually taking a step back and evaluating what would this actually mean to our business? What would be the outcome of this project? If we were to get the results we expected, what would happen to our business that would have made this project worth our time and effort? 
sometimes that's something really, really uh, exciting. Like Google has a great page called Rework, where they actually outline some case studies of organizations that have leveraged people analytics methods and driven those projects to impact. One of those is, for example, Wegmans has done what's called a conjoint analysis of employee benefits, where they basically cross all these permutations of different benefits and have employees select between pairs. And by doing so, they can actually like triangulate the precise value in dollar terms that people place on different benefits. And that can help inform decision-making about their benefits package. That's like something that is sort of really appealing and makes for a great case study and great article. But not all organizations are ready for something that big. On the flip side of that, I just read an interview with Michal Cheval at GIA Israel. GIA is the organization that certifies diamonds. And one of my main takeaways from that interview was that the biggest and earliest impact they had was simply taking a step back and saying, we're getting limited impact from this highly traditional monthly and quarterly reporting we're doing on our HR metrics and our talent metrics. Let's actually pivot to a more life cycle focused approach. So we're not just thinking like, what is the state of our business today? But we're actually thinking about what is the stage that an employee is in right now at this point in our company? And how is that impacting their experience or their likelihood to stay? And so they were actually able to make some pretty impactful decisions early on just by switching their mindset from this traditional monthly quarterly mindset to more of a, is this employee still in sort of the recruiting phase of a life cycle, onboarding, training? Are they in the midst of some career development internally? And how is that impacting their experience and sort of by proxy, our likelihood of getting value out of this employee and also providing value back to them? Those are all really good examples of different thinking or a fresh take on existing things that we're doing and not doing well. And so I love those examples that show there are a different way to do things. I also believe that when you are in an HR technology company and you're selling technology, you really ought to be a leader and drink your own champagne. You know, you ought to be at the forefront, at the vanguard of whatever it is you're doing or you're selling. And you know, namely is a platform that really provides insights into the employee experience. And so I wonder if there's one way that you within namely are using data in an interesting and innovative way to further your business. Yeah, absolutely. Back in January, we launched our benchmarking report, which is a really rich 50-page report that clients get quarterly with insights on headcount turnover, diversity, retention. And then just last quarter, we added a, a chapter on pay equity because of its importance to the discipline and really workplaces all over the globe at this moment. And the vision for this product was that we would provide the metrics and visualizations that HR professionals need to show their leaders and their board of directors. But also, we would start introducing new views of traditional metrics that would help them think about how to connect old HR metrics to new talent priorities. And so just a couple of quick examples of that are we provide a view of turnover, not just by department or office location, but by the number of direct reports that your manager has. So how spread thin is your manager's time across your team size? And what is the impact of that on your likelihood to stay in your organization or leave. Alternatively, we also provide a view of turnover crossed by basically how rapidly someone is developing internally. 
And it's pretty fascinating when we look across industries and across organizations. In some industries or some companies, it's actually pretty important to move and advance quickly or people go. And in other ones, we actually see better retention among employees who have to sort of wait and earn that next move internally. So these are a couple examples of ways that we're trying to introduce new views of traditional data to HR professionals in hopes that they see or begin to see how they can connect data to their actual priorities, which are often career development, manager support or enablement, and diversity, etc. So the work you do at Namely, it sounds... Well, you tell me, is it focused on optimizing client decision-making and really using the tool that way? Or do you use it on yourself in your own organization and really help your company learn and grow and become more profitable and more productive? What's the story internally? So the answer to that question is both. Our internal HR team is a client of Namely as well. And we believe that and it's been an immense value for us as a business and as a product to understand internally in-house, what is the impact of this piece of technology on the day-to-day of an HR professional? So our HR team internally leverages our benchmark report that I just talked about. And pieces of that report go directly to senior leadership. And so there's a sort of heavy emphasis on data internally. And that helps inform our thinking about how we can assist and support our clients through the same forms of data. And so, you know, I currently sit on our product org where I can help think about how we're leveraging data to help our clients through our product. But really, like I have a client internally as well. And, you know, they're just a wonderful and incredible resource for us as we sort of pave a new path for the mid-market to help figure out how we use data in ways that improve our workplace. When was the last time you checked your pay stub or picked benefits at work? Chances are it wasn't easy. HR software has been clunky and hard to use since, well, HR has been a thing. One technology company takes a different approach. Namely is an all-in-one HR payroll and benefits software platform employees love to use. Ready to clock in? No problem. Need to write a performance review? You can do that. Want to schedule vacation time? Namely makes it easy to do, even from your phone. Namely also has a social news feed where employees can share updates, celebrate birthdays, and give shout outs and recognition for a job well done. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. If you're in HR or you run your own business, it's time to see Namely in action. Get a free demo by visiting namely.com forward slash podcast. That's namely.com forward slash podcast. See how you can build a better workplace with Namely. I love that. I love that you have your own little laboratory, if you will. (laughs) And you also get real-time feedback from a customer. So if something isn't working or if something's broken or something needs to be improved, you're going to hear about it because your own company is your client. I think more organizations should do that and they don't. I also love Namely's focus on the small to medium-sized business because they are completely overlooked in America and yet, in fact, all over the world, and yet they're the most numerous type of business that's out there. You know, when we think about companies, we think about Salesforce and AT&T and Verizon and all these big brands, but that's not what fuels the global economy. What fuels the global economy are small to medium-sized businesses. So maybe I'm crazy. I love those companies. I love their HR stories. Tell me what your love of the small to medium-sized business is like? I love helping people see through perceived obstacles. And as I've spoken to, I think in our conversation today already, 
I think there is a strong perception that data is for bigger companies and bigger folks. And the reality is, despite the fact that small and mid-sized businesses do often have a lower volume of data, and sometimes even the lack of skills or resources to really execute on a strong and long-term vision for data, it's actually the most critical time when you're small or mid-sized to put the foundational pieces in place for a data practice later. And so the earlier we get organizations beginning to think about what those pieces are and where their priorities are and the kind of workplace that they're looking to build, the more likely that that organization will actually feel prepared to execute on the exciting headline they see in a couple years. They may not be ready for that headline project yet, but in these small ways that I try and outline in conversations like ours, organizations can take steps towards preparing data in the right way and also just thinking about data in less traditional ways that are not so much focused on what is the monthly or quarterly state of our organization and more how is the information that we have about our workforce today aligned with the priorities that we're saying matter to us as an organization. Yeah, that's really so insightful because you're right. I think you have to start somewhere. And if you don't start, you'll never get to where you need to be in a couple of years. What I see working with business leaders you know, in companies with fewer than 100 people is that they have a payroll system and they've got a bunch of data, but it's not very good. Like They get their name, rank, and serial number right, but the job titles are everywhere and there's little consistency. And I mean, it's just kind of a people side of it is just a mess. And so when you onboard a new client. Do you find that to be true as well? Is that, you know, people are ashamed of that. Like, oh, everything's kind of a mess behind the scenes. Is that really the the norm out there? Sure. Messy data is a reality whether you're 50,000 employees or 50 employees. So messy data is always there. In fact, we've read over and over again that 80% of a data analyst's job is just preparing data. And then the last 20% is actually analyzing it. That is very much, I think, the reality of data independent of the size of your organization. What I will say is when we, you know, we launched benchmarking in January and we had many conversations with clients over the course of Q1 and then in subsequent quarters or months. And it was quite fascinating to sit down with clients who for the first time were seeing the reason that they should go back and clean up some of their data. And what it highlighted to me was, in fact, sometimes data is dirty because we just don't have a reason to keep it clean. If we can incentivize the cleanliness of data by providing value back to the organization that is able to clean that data, there may be enough reason there to keep that data clean moving forward. And so it's actually... Benchmarking in particular has been a way for us to communicate to our clients. Here is all of the value you can unlock in your data if we tidy this area of it up a little bit. I love it. Using psychology to motivate people and change their behaviors. It's what you went to school for. It's perfect. You're doing (laughs) what you need to be doing. I wonder why this though. I mean, you've got a fantastic degree. You've got a wonderful pedigree, awesome bona fides, and you chose to work in the world of human resources. And I know that's very common with an industrial psychology background, but you could be doing a lot of different things. Why this? I mean, really, why this? You're a smart guy. This is probably a trite reason to cite here, but we hear this all the time. We spend really most of our lives in the workplace. Namely's mission is to build better workplaces. 
And I think that for me has been enough of a reason to say, if I can leverage my skills, marry that with the data that a company like Namely has, and then use those insights to help improve the workplaces of over a thousand companies that we serve. Like, what is better than that? I could be doing this for one company, or I could be doing this for a thousand companies by working for a company like Namely. And specifically, working in HR is the best way to impact the workplace experience because your job, specifically, especially today with the trend of the discipline as a whole focused on employee experience, the job of the discipline is to build a workplace that inspires people to do good work and also obviously produces returns for the business. But those two things we know now go hand in hand. And so, you know, this was a career direction that allowed me to do the things that I love, but also help other people do all the things that they love. That is so nicely stated and optimistic. And I believe you. I'm looking right at you. I can see that you mean it. I am a bit of a pessimist about the future of work. I mean, I can see you laughing so hard at that. And it's 100% true. Like, I think the world of work is broken and it's going to take a lot and maybe never happen to fix it. Let me ask you this. Do you think work is broken? And do you think it's fixable? You must. You've got to feel that way, right? I think the workplace is ever-changing and ever-improving. And I think the advent of technology, not just in HR, but across industries, has changed fundamentally our relationship to work. I don't see that inherently as a problem, but I see it as inspiration to change and adapt the way that we think about the workplace. And so I think just as everyone fears AI and machine learning taking over replacing our jobs, I think there's actually a lot more truth to the reality that technology is changing work, but it will allow us and empower us to do work differently and in a way that ultimately helps us fulfill our goals better and also the hope is support our businesses better. So I cannot identify with your pessimism, sorry. But I do understand sort of the fear of the challenges that we're facing in the workplace today. With that said, I think with companies like Namely really focused on making sure that work stays human, I think we're in safe hands. So oh, That's great. Well, listen, it's been a real joy and a pleasure to talk to you today. If you can leave us with some parting thoughts about the world of data and the world of human resources, I would love to hear it. Yeah, specifically to small and mid-sized businesses, don't be afraid to start dabbling. And most importantly, be sure that the time you're spending with your data is spent in ways that link that data to your actual priorities, your goals as an HR team. If your goal is focused on creating a diverse and inclusive workplace, make sure the way that you're measuring things internally align with that goal and help you understand, are you succeeding at it or not? That is the way that we can use data even at a small and medium scale to impact the workplace. Well, Eric, it's been a real fun time talking to you. It's just been awesome thinking about data and human resources. If people would like to connect directly with you or learn more about Namely, where can they go? Yeah, the best way is to find me on Twitter at Eric Nude. E-R-I-C-K-N-U-D. I'm pretty active on there. And also, you can connect with me on LinkedIn slash E-K-N-U-D. Awesome. That's great. And of course, everybody can go to namely.com forward slash podcast and learn more about all the different things that Namely has to offer potential customers and clients, right? Yes, please do. <laughs> Let me just do that for you. <laughs> well, it's been a real joy. I'm so glad to connect with you. And thanks again for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. Thank you, Lori. 
Everybody stick around. We'll be right back right after the break with more Let's Fix Work. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Eric Knudsen of Namely. I'd also like to thank Namely for underwriting today's show. Their all-in-one HR payroll and benefits platform makes lives easier for HR professionals, saving them on average 11 hours each week. Over 1,000 companies use Namely to build a better workplace, so get a free demo. Please support me, support Eric, learn something new about the world of work. Go to namely.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to learn anything about Dr. Eric Knudsen or see some of the interesting content from today's show, we've got all of that baked into the show notes at laurierudeman.com. Let's Fix Work is produced by Emerald City Productions. Danny Osmond is my producer, and he's happy in Orlando these days, so I'm happy for him. If you want to learn how to podcast, head on over to Emerald City Productions. They've got a wonderful little course there. They've got all kinds of resources. You're just going to love it. And I know you want a podcast because you keep emailing me at hello at Let's Fix Work and asking me how I got started podcasting. So you know how I got started? By hooking up with good people like Danny Osment. Now, that is all for today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes. All executives need to be podcasting. Podcasts are the number one way for executives to create an authentic and trusting relationship with employees and potential customers. That's why my producer, Danny Osment, just did a three-part series on why executives should be podcasting. Want to give your company a brand or a face? Want to connect with current or future employees? Are you interested in pivoting out of your current position and into a new career or personal brand? Well, if you're an executive who is podcast curious, head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives and learn how a podcast builds credibility, how podcasting gives you a leg up against the competition, and how a podcast can power a speaking career and help you write a book. Don't worry about finding the time to listen. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and Danny has put all three episodes in one place. Head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives to listen and find more resources. That's dannyosmond.com forward slash executives.